so sometimes I'll write my prayers out in a journal. I don't know if you ever do this, but I'm a journaler. Um, And a while ago, I was like looking back through old journals and reading what I had written. And (laughs) I just kind of started laughing because, um, you know, some of my prayers were basically like a list of my insufficiencies, right? Like, oh, God, yesterday I was such an impatient mom, and I drove by that person in need, and I didn't think of the best of my brother and his wife again, and oh, I should have shown up in staff meeting this way, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I kind of just had this image of God, like, you know, lovingly laughing with me um, and being like, Susie, like, I overcame death. I run the cosmos. I um, own a cattle on a thousand hills, and your prayers are, frankly, kind of depressing me. <laughs> because I, uh, I just, um, you know, in reading through these prayers was a little bit like, wow, like, basically, I'm coming in some of these prayers in my journal and just, like, making a list of all of my insufficiencies. And it just, with the Lord in this like image in my head, I was just kind of laughing with God and thinking like, huh, yeah, that, that's right. That's true. Like I can either come to God in prayer, um, with a list of all the things that I am not, or I can come to God in prayer, remembering all of who he is. I could focus on all my insufficiencies or I can focus on all of his sufficiency. And that's probably true for you, too. When you pray, you can fill up your mind with all your inadequacies. And if you're anything like me, there's probably a lot of them. (laughs) Plenty of things you can fill your mind up with in that category. Or you can fill your mind up with God's sufficiency. And there's plenty of that, too. And about that time, I, I got this prayer book that was just praying through the Psalms. And it was like a Psalm on this side and a blank page on this side. And I would like read that and I would rewrite Psalms and I would intertwine my prayers with those Psalms. Here's the thing. Uh, last week, we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, kind of a heavy topic, right? Um, and this week, I think I just want to kind of remind us all Prayer is not supposed to be depressing. Prayer is at its root not an expression of my inadequacy. Prayer is coming honestly and wholeheartedly, but coming to God's throne of grace in confidence, as our passage of scripture just said. So I'm praying, like when I come to God in prayer, I'm coming honestly, I'm coming wholeheartedly. I'm not, like we talked about last week, shoving things underwater in a spiritual bypassing sort of way. I'm also not allowing those things to completely become my identity, but I'm coming to God in prayer, and I'm basically saying, God, would you give me the knowledge of your will for me? And then would you give me the power to carry that out? Maybe we could just say that together. God, give me the knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry it out. It's like we're saying in prayer, I can't, but you can, and I think I'll let you. There's this posture of surrender. It's like when we pray, we can either look up or we can look down. We can look up at God, towards God, Or we can look down towards our problems. 
often we'll say that in worship, like when we come together in, in corporate worship each week, it's like a spiritual gymnasium for our souls. What we're doing together for an hour each week, almost like a gymnasium, right, is we're saying for this time in worship, we're going to take our eyes off of all that is wrong in our lives and in our world. We're going to place our focus, place our eyes, put our attention upon all that is right with God and the kingdom of love that he's building, there is uh, there's an interesting little story in the Hebrew scriptures. You're probably, many of you, familiar with it, but it's about a man named Moses. And when Moses was a young man, he, um, he saw an Egyptian who was beating and then killing one of his own people. And the scriptures say this about Moses. Moses, he, he looked this way and he looked that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So here's Moses. Right, faced with this problem. He looks this way and he looks that way. Which way does he not look? Yeah, he doesn't look up. I mean, had he looked up, had he in surrender, in a posture of surrender, sought God's wisdom for that moment he was facing, probably would have resulted in a fairly different outcome. Like I, I pretty much can, I think it's safe to say I can guarantee that if you encounter somebody at work who's like really, very, very, very difficult, and um, they're so difficult, I, if you are to pray to God in a surrendered spirit and ask God what he wants, I highly doubt it will result in you killing them and burying them in the sand, right? <laughs> like that's what it is. It looks this way, it looks that way, but he never looks up. And it's interesting when we pray very often, um, the posture of our bodies, right? What do we say? We say, bow your head and fold your hands, right? Heads bowed, eyes closed. That's actually not the normal posture in scripture for prayer. I mean, it's okay to do that. And sometimes it's helpful in the way of just like removing distractions. Um, but it is actually not what we see from characters in scripture when they prayed. I heard one person say that the, the whole sort of heads bowed, eyes closed thing was invented by Victorian Sunday school teachers to make little kids settle down. When Jesus prayed for his friend Lazarus, this is what we read. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. In his last great prayer with his disciples, the scriptures say Jesus lifted his eyes towards heaven and prayed. And I think Jesus I think he often looked up physically, like with his body when he prayed, because in prayer, it's like we are returning, we're living again in this elevated vision of God's goodness, God's presence, God's power. And it's kind of like there's this choice in all of our lives, in every moment of our lives, and especially in prayer, there is this choice we face. Like, I can, I can live life without God, I can look down. I can look down at the size of my problems, all of my inadequacies, all of my insufficiencies, all my worries about tomorrow, all of the things that weigh me down. I can look down at all of that, all that fear in my heart, or every moment of every day in my life and in prayer, I can look up. What am I doing? I'm looking at God's sufficiency, God's power, the fact that he promises, he promises us do not fear, I am with you always. 
focusing, looking up and saying, Jesus overcame death. So even the very worst that life can hand me, the very worst I experience on this earth is not the last thing, the worst thing. It's not the last thing because Christ overcame death. So I'm remembering in prayer, I can't, right? I look down and I'm like, I can't. But I look up and I'm like, God can. And I think I'll let him. And there's this surrendered posture of remembering who God is, that I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. And that no matter what I face, even if that is death, that the kingdom of God is not in trouble. And that is where I reside. That kingdom's not in trouble. I am not in trouble. That nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So there are these times, you know, um, for me anyway, I don't know about you, where like I'm in, recently, like I'm in my Thursday morning small group. And you guys, these women just like inspire me. They're talking about prayer. They're talking about their experiences in prayer. I'm super inspired by them. I'm walking away with all these like new insights and and ideas and practices. And and then sometimes I also simultaneously in being like inspired by other people's stories, I'm sort of like, um, I'm aware of all my super lame excuses, like things that I say in my head for my prayerlessness. I don't know if this ever happens to you. Like, um, I wonder if you have ever said these types of things to yourself. Like, I don't have time to pray. I don't know how to pray. I tried before and I didn't get what I wanted, so what's the point? I'm not sure there even is a God. I think if there, there is a God, probably, but why would he be involved in the level of my little life with all the problems in the world? Well, my, my mind, it wanders when I pray. If I try to do a formula for prayer, that kind of seems like it's contrived, but if I freestyle, it feels kind of confusing, and I feel overcome with myself. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm too cynical today. I'm tired. I fall asleep when I pray. I'm afraid if I pray, God's going to make me change stuff, and I don't really want to change stuff. (laughs) Do you ever think this? Like, other people seem to hear God when they pray. I don't hear God when I pray. If God already knows everything, then he could, you know, change anything then why do I even need to pray anyway? Because he's already in charge and going to do what he wants anyway. Maybe you've had this thought, you know, I did something really bad last night. I'm kind of like in spiritual timeout today. I'm too extroverted. I'm too introverted. Like the dog ate my homework. I am amazed at all the things that I can come up with, in a sense, like my excuses for prayerlessness for not leaning in and developing this practice in my life. And it's amazing to me that, you know, for me, even after all these years of walking with God, I will still find in myself this thought sometimes where I will, like, attribute bad things to God and attribute good things to myself. Do you ever do this? Right? Like, so if something bad happens, I'm just like, where is God and why should we even pray and You know, but then if something good happens, I'm like, wow, I'm really killing it, right? This, like, even after all these years, these thoughts will still come to me. There there is actually, um, on that little note, there's a folk singer, um, Peter Seeger. He died in, I think, 2014 or something. But um, he told this very funny story, which kind of illustrates this point and how we all, just the human nature of this. It's this story about two maggots, like two worms, and they're on the handle of a shovel. And a worker goes and picks up that shovel, and the two little worms fall. 
and one of them falls into a crack in the sidewalk, and the other one falls onto a dead cat, and he starts feasting, and he's eating for like three days. And then after like three days of just like gorging himself, like he can't take another bite, he goes and looks down the crack where his brother is, and he's like saying to his little brother down in the crack, um, hey, how you doing down there? And his brother says, I've been here for three days without anything to eat or to drink at all. I am nearly starved, but you, you are sleek and fat. To what do you attribute your success? Brains and personality, he says. Isn't that like how we think, like our, like our human condition, right? Like when something bad goes, happens, it's just like, God, it's your fault. Why should I even pray? Why do people even bother to have faith? But when things go well, it's like, oh, brains and personality. That was like, you ask anybody who succeeded or achieved anything in life, right? And the, human na- the tendency of human nature is for us to be like, I did that. Until we fall into the crack which we all will, and then we realize from deep in the crack, we were never meant to survive on brains and personality alone. We were meant to run on God. We were meant to run on prayer. We were meant to live in total dependence upon our creator, upon the one whose hand we hold through every moment of every day, we were meant to pray and have a life of prayer. There's this wonderful invitation to prayer in this scripture passage that Tim just read, and it kind of shows us how powerful this is. So the writer of Hebrews says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's a question for us. When is our time of need? When is our time of need? You could almost like divide up your life or divide up your moments or divide up your days into like times of need, times of not need. (laughs) Moments when you need something from God, moments when you don't need anything from God. And here's the question, like, how often do you need something from God in order to live well? How often do I? Because if you just, like, peruse your day, like, in your mind's eye, peruse a day in the life of being human. Somebody kind of makes the wrong comment or their body language just, like, rubs you wrong. Maybe there's a problem at work. It's beyond your wisdom. Maybe my child inclines me to worry or not sleep or drink before 10 a.m. My child is inclining me to all these things. Or maybe my thoughts are like just drifting towards arguing with someone in my head as I walk the park. Maybe I am ungrateful in my life or maybe I am bored or maybe I am afraid Maybe I'm wondering, like, how in the world do I ever live in an unhurried way, in an unburdened way? How do I ever become a non-irritated person? Like, I wonder, how in the world do I live a life of love? Day in the life of being human. So how many moments of your life would go better if you were 
receiving wisdom, receiving guidance, receiving warning, receiving peace, receiving love from God in prayer. How many moments would go better if you were basically looking up instead of looking down? Of course, all of them, right? All the moments, all the moments of every day. It's why the scriptures say, like, pray without ceasing. It's why the scripture today says we approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. When is that? That's like all the time. Our time of need is all the time, every moment. There's a guy, um, you might know International Justice Mission, the guy who started that, Gary Haugen. He told a neat, kind of a neat little story um, that a few years ago, he was approaching the new year, and he was just aware of, like, um, man, International Justice Mission, they go into very, very difficult situations around the world working for justice. And so he's starting out this new year, and he is just, you know, aware of how daunting and how dangerous the upcoming year will be. And he has this sense that God says to him in that moment, Gary, I do not want another year of prayerless striving. So good. Like, I don't want that either. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. Like another another day, another year, another week of prayerless striving. And the truth is, I, I can take steps to develop a life of prayer. I can seek, above all else, like that steady companionship of Jesus in my days, talking with him, walking with him, in all the moments I can look up. I also can look down in prayerless striving. I can just live like constantly overwhelmed with fears of the future and fears about what's going to happen and worries about what other people think and burdened by all the outcomes and regrets about the past and all these things. I can live like dependent on brains and personality. I can do all that. In other words, I can look down. There is this sense in which we can develop the posture of looking up more moments of each day rather than looking down more moments of each day. And I just wonder for you, like, what would it look like to start each morning in prayer? The scriptures say God's mercies, they're new every morning. So whatever happened yesterday, God's mercies are new every morning. And I know some of you are totally morning people, and maybe you already have this practice of prayer, and others of you are, like, not morning people at all, and you wake up, maybe you wake up just very groggy and very um, grumpy and very unsanctified and unholy and maybe nobody wants to be around you in the morning. Like maybe Jesus doesn't even want to be around you in the morning. So maybe you need your coffee first, right? That's fine. That's okay. It's like Charlie said the other day, right? We pray as we can, not as we can't. If I need coffee first, that's okay, right? Maybe you've got little kids at home and you're like, oh, morning prayer is just like, I have to move out of my home for the next two years in order to pray in the morning, right? Maybe it's more of a Maybe it's more of a pray as you go than a sit in silence and pray. But maybe for some of you, it is like waking up and having a candle with your coffee and just lighting that candle almost like a little altar in your home 
or getting to your desk at work and before the day begins and before you begin your list of things you're going to accomplish and achieve in that day and the meetings you're going to do and the stuff you're going to get done, like maybe you just light a candle, like a little altar right there in the beginning of your day, in the morning of your day, saying, God, your mercies are new every morning. God, would you give me the wisdom to know what to do and would you give me the courage to carry it out? Would you give me the wisdom to know what is best in this day and would you give me the courage, God, to carry it out? Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Approach God's throne. Whose throne is it? It's like who's in Grant's tomb, right? Whose throne is it? It's God's throne. It's God's throne. It's not like we're just putting prayers out into the universe. We're praying to God, to a person who sits on a throne. I don't start out like thinking about all my problems. I mean, I often do, but I don't have to. I can start out thinking about I'm approaching God's throne. I'm not focusing all on my problems. I'm focusing on God's power. God's power is meeting me in these problems. And if God is on the throne and what we know of God is like, God could part the Red Sea. God can soften Pharaoh's heart. God can get Daniel out of the lion's den. God can do all these things. God God can help you in your time of need. We're not just praying, like whispering prayers out into the universe and no one is there. We're approaching God's throne. God sits on that throne. And he can do more than we ask or imagine. So prayer is not just like positive thinking, right? We're approaching God's throne and we're also approaching the throne of what? Yeah, we're approaching the throne of grace. And that means it's a throne for all of us, right? It is a throne for misfits and rejects and losers and failures and those all focused on brains and personality. Like it's a, it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. That means everyone which is why we got to, like we talked about last week, come out of the hiding, right? Come out of the hiding and come as we are, however we are. It also says here, right, we're coming to God's throne. We're coming to God's throne of grace and we're coming to God's throne of grace in confidence. And the thing is, is it's not, um, I think, the confidence part, it's not based on me. It's not based on my accomplishments, I'm also, though, um, in coming in confidence, I'm coming not in fear. I'm coming not in anxiety. I'm not coming when my, focused on my inadequacies and uncertainty. I'm coming in confidence. And the reason for the confidence is not my performance, right? It's not anything about me. It's not my spiritual performance. It's not my achievements. It's not my gifts. We have confidence because of our high priest, whose name is Jesus. So this passage is almost like a roadmap, right? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When is our time of need? It's all the time. It's all the time. So as we close today, can we practice this? Can we practice this together? Can we look up, look up together? I would invite you to do like 
heads bowed, eyes closed, but you guys, this is not a Victorian Sunday school class, so you can posture your body as you like. And lift your head if you want. Put your feet flat on the floor if you want. Close your eyes if it helps you remove distractions or keep them open. But let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Taking a couple deep breaths in our body, breathing in God's goodness, breathing out together. all those fears and worries and anxieties today. Breathing in God's adequacy and sufficiency. Breathing out together all those worries and concerns for today and for tomorrow. And maybe just a way as, just a way of maybe, you know, reflecting, responding taking everything in this morning, things we talked about here or things you were already thinking about as you came in this morning. If you're interested right now, if you're willing, like approach God's throne of grace in your moment of need. I just ask you if you want, maybe go ahead and stand right now to stand up. If you're not sure, you can stay seated. Maybe if you want, you could just like take your weak hand, whichever hand you don't write with, whichever hand you don't use the most, and put your weak hand on top of your strong hand, just as a reminder of how we come to this throne of grace before God in confidence, not because of what we bring, but because of who God is. And if you find in yourself like a longing for some of what Jesus has for you this morning in your moment of need, just ask him. And just remember everybody in this room, everybody in this room, Everybody in the world is struggling with something. Nobody's perfect. And we gather together before God as people who are in need. And we are approaching God's throne of grace together. We're saying together, God, would you give me the wisdom to know what is right and the courage to do it? God, would you help me with my unbelief. In this moment before your throne, God, we remember those words of blessing that were spoken over Jesus at his baptism. And for all of us who are in Christ, spoken over us, to spoken over us those words of the Father, that you are my beloved, who I love. With you, I am well pleased. God, we just keep coming every week, every day, and as many moments as we can remember, we just keep coming to you over and over and over again for those words of blessing that Jesus fought so hard to like keep hold of in the wilderness and we fight so hard to keep hold of in our lives too. 
and while holding on to those words of blessing that we are your beloved God, we also kind of just scan our lives before your throne. And we kind of pause and notice just where, where the struggle is, where the bondage is, where the sickness is, where the hardship is, where the difficulty and busyness reside. Jesus, you came to cast out those places of bondage. So in your strong name, we ask that you, God, would make us free. We pray, yet not my will, but yours be done. And God, as we come to communion in just a moment now, mm, we come hungry. We come so very hungry for your presence. We come to eat of your presence, God, to be nourished by, sustained by the very real presence of you, Jesus. We come to receive the blessing that is ours in you. Thank you, thank you, God, that this is true. We pray all this in your holy and precious name.